WHHH-FM Indianapolis. It's time to take a look at what's going on in and around Indy. It's Open Lines, your eye on the community on High 96.3. Hold up. And good morning to you, Indianapolis. It is Sunday, January 16th, 2022. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, coming to you live from the Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC studios in a downtown Indianapolis that is covered in frost, a little bit of snow, and some ice out there because finally we got a little bit of a taste of winter. This morning, we are keeping an eye on all things that are happening at your Indiana State House. It's a commitment that I've said I'm trying trying to do better on uh, in each week we are keeping an eye on what's happening uh, where all the laws are made here in the great state of Indiana and today is one of those days we will be joined by Whitley Yates she is the director of diversity of the Indiana GOP she's standing by and also across the aisle is Arielle Brandy she is the president of the Indiana Young Democrats we're having them both on this morning to just talk about the state of Indiana politics as some of you may know Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb gave his State of the State address earlier this week. And since then, there's been a ton of headlines of what's happening in our state legislature, what your local politicians are trying to make into law in the state of Indiana. We want to hear from you on what you think about a number of these bills and if they speak to where you as Hoosiers want to see the state go. Whitley and Ariel will also... Uh, Give us the scoop on how things look from their side of the aisle there down at the State House if they think uh, we are on track for where Indiana needs to go. We'll talk about all of that and, of course, talk to you this morning. All of that's coming up. But first, let's get you caught up on what is happening today in the news. Pike Township Schools is parting ways with its superintendent. In a Twitter post, the district announced that the school board's legal counsel is in discussions with Superintendent Dr. Flora Reichenauter's counsel regarding an amicable separation. The district says Dr. Larry Young was approved by the board as the interim superintendent for the remainder of the current academic school year. Dr. Flora's departure comes after a semester of staffing and staffing issues and contract negotiations among the district's teachers and bus drivers, which of course has led Pike Township Schools to have dozens of e-learning days due to a lack of staff. This week, the White House is launching a website where Americans can order at-home COVID tests. The websites will start taking orders on Wednesday. The plan is to send out 500 million COVID tests to you at no cost. The White House says the test will typically ship between 7 and 12 days of making an order, and it's coming through the U.S. Postal Service. Each home will be limited to four tests per home, covidtests.gov launches on Wednesday. Vincennes University is the latest Indiana school to have to go to virtual learning due to a surge in Omicron cases. Vincennes University says they are taking a quote brief 
pivot to virtual classes to mitigate the chance of community spread and COVID-19. This comes as the state of Indiana broke another single-day record for COVID cases, this time with more than 16,000 new cases in just a single day. That has forced several central Indiana schools to also temporarily go to e-learning, including all of Warren Township schools and select schools in the IPS district. In the forecast, we'll have mostly cloudy skies on this Sunday with a high of 33. I hope you enjoyed that little drop of snow we got this weekend. We'll see some flurries tomorrow, but that's going to be about it for the week. Temperatures will regularly drop into the low teens overnight this week. Right now, it is a cold 17 degrees in Indy. And at 8.05, uh, we are getting you ready to talk about what is happening at the State House. Also, this hour, we'll also have some updates on some things that you can do for uh, MLK Day to celebrate uh, the all-important uh, holiday. Dr. King's birthday was, of course, yesterday, but Monday is the day that this nation celebrates. And so we will uh, have some details on a, on a concert put on by uh, DJ Gino and hosted by Karen Vaughn that is happening uh, this weekend, this three-day holiday uh, weekend. We'll give you all the details on that. Uh, coming up this hour. Uh, so as I said, we're keeping an eye on what's happening at the State House because there's a lot that happens every year. Uh, and this year is is no different. Now, well, well, I take that back. This year does feel different because uh, already there are a number of bills that uh, have made uh, national headlines for one reason or another. Uh, Radio One has even taken a stand on, on, on a particular bill that we'll talk about and, and how unusual uh, uh, that is. But on both sides of the aisle, I've seen some things that already appear to be unexpected. And that includes uh, some bipartisan uh, support for legalizing marijuana in some way, shape or form here in Indiana. Both Indiana Republicans and Democrats have put forth bills. Uh, there are a, a number of bills talking about uh, crime. There's a bill wanting to get rid of uh handgun licensing in Indiana. There are several bills talking about um, education and, and how school boards and things of the like should go. All of this comes on the backdrop of uh, Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb giving his State of the State address on Tuesday uh, in a full in-person crowd to folks there at the uh, Indiana State House. And if you watched it, then you know the... Um, the speech, the address was, uh, you know, typical quintessential, quintessential. There we go. Uh, Eric Holcomb, uh, in his in his normal tone, uh, optimistic, uh, a rather good speech, but focused a lot on the economy. Uh, there's been some criticism that it didn't talk enough about social issues. So that's something we'll talk with you, our listeners, about, uh, and we'll also be talking right now with Whitley Yates and. Ariel Brandy. Again, Whitley Yates is the director of diversity for the Indiana GOP, and Ariel Brandy is the president of the Indiana Young Democrats. Ladies, they are on our live line. Ladies, good morning. Thank you for being on the show. Good morning. So glad to have you both. Whitley, we've had you on the show a couple of times. Ariel, it's our first time talking with you. Thank you so much to both of you uh, for allowing us to have some of your insight and analysis on what's happening uh, at the Capitol building. Um, I'll just start with asking you ladies, you know, Governor Hocum made his, um, address this week. Uh, Whitley, I'll start with you. 
what was your takeaway? What is your view on on, on what the governor had to say? And, and, and really the question for you is, do you think he's talking about, uh, did he highlight what's happening in Indiana and taking us in the correct direction? What do you think? Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I honestly loved Governor Holcomb's sec- um, State of the State speech. This is his sixth address, so he is definitely no stranger to addressing the state. But basically, I believe he presented a really bold plan for Indiana's future. I think we have really great momentum uh, moving into this year. And I think that he was able to highlight some of that momentum from the economy to education, workforce development, as well as health and wellness and community development. And so looking over all of the topics he covered and kind of getting into some of the successes that we've had as a state, I've been nothing but proud of the work that he's been doing at the state house. Ariel, on the Democrat side across the aisle, what, what's the what's the view? Yeah, so, you know, <clears throat> the governor did a really great job um, when he gave his state of the state address, and I commended him for, for that um, shortly after the address, saying that he really did tout, you know, Indiana as this place for success and to have a brighter future and to increase the quality of life. Um, I really think that he touched um, really good on the opportunities for education in our state, which is something that I'm paying attention to, and also economic development. Um, he talked a lot about the money that we're going to be investing into our state. Um, the only pushback that I gave was that a lot of this funding is federal funding that is coming out of the American Rescue Plan that Democrats were able to deliver for the country and for our state. And so that was one of the things that I um, had said was that, you know, it would have been nice to be able to hear the governor um, reach across the aisle and, and give thanks to Democrats for being able to deliver that to our state, because now we're going to be able to invest in ways that we haven't before in the past. And so while I'm, you know, excited and grateful for Indiana moving forward, you know, I, I do want to give thanks to the Democrats that um, took the initiative to, to vote for the American Rescue Plan and for the American Jobs Act so that we will be able to get the funding that we need to invest in the state of Indiana. Ariel, it's funny you mentioned that because we've talked about that on the show a number of times, just about messaging. Um, and overall, in this day and age, it seems Republicans are far better at um, messaging and saying, this is what I did for you. This is what I'm going to do for you. This is what I'm doing for you right now. This will be done in 10 minutes. Even if something doesn't happen, they're far better at, um, it seems, at sending out that message. I don't feel like I hear enough uh, uh, from folks on the Democrat side who did just what you did to remind you, hey, that money that's coming your way, that actually came from over here. Um, is there any uh, collective discussion here in Indiana and then in, in, in the national politics about improving that message, doing literally what you just did to say, hey, that thank you, Governor Holcomb, but uh, remember that money came from our account first? Yeah, no, I think um, here in Indiana, I know the De- Indiana Democratic Party, uh, we have been working hard not only with getting that message out, but we also did uh, statewide tours. Uh, when the American Rescue Plan was first coming out, uh, we were traveling all across the state and talking to uh, rural counties in the state, urban counties in the state, and really hammering in on what the American Rescue Plan was going to bring to their community, specifically how much money was going to be allocated to cities and towns for a lot of the work that was coming out of these plans. And then when we had worked on the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, we did the very same thing. 
Uh, we went around. We were talking to teachers and educators, uh, getting them involved with what the Ready uh, Plan was going to bring to the state. And we really hammered in not only on just what the plans were going to offer, uh, but how they were going to be able to take that money and make investments in their own community. So I think for us here in Indiana, we're really hammering in on that message and letting folks know the exact number of you know money that is going to be invested in their communities. And I'm really hoping that we can continue that on a national level. But I know here in our state, we're working really hard on our messaging and making sure that we get folks to understand what these plans are going to bring to them directly. There's a lot going on uh, in the state legislature uh, as far as bills uh, that have popped up. And again, it's been everything from uh, medical marijuana. There's an abortion bill of what would happen if, if the Supreme Court um, shot down Roe versus Wade or reversed Roe versus Wade. And then there's also a lot going on uh, with school board elections. There's uh, just a I made I compiled a list of just some things that I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, or that are eye-catching for one reason or another. One of the biggest bills this week um, has been about school boards um, and has been about uh, the way teachers can teach history. And there are, if you go on the Indiana General Assembly website, which I encourage all of you to do as, as we're listening, iga.in.gov, you can see all the bills that we're talking about, who's proposing it, uh, what your representative is doing. Uh, but there are a number of bills that they all kind of start to repeat when people try to edit them and, and whatnot and make it their own version. But the bottom line, this is based off of Senate Bill 167, which at the end of the week was the talk of the town. So much so uh, that it was it, that the Indiana GOP has said that bill is not going to go um, any further. This is the bill that basically wanted neutrality in talking about history so that one race or group of students doesn't feel, isn't made to feel, I'll try to stick stick with the original wording, isn't made to feel uh, some type of way. So let's say it's, it's the, you're in eighth grade history class and you're having a discussion um, about slavery. And the, the thought, as it's trying to be said, was that didn't want to make white students feel a certain type of way about what their ancestors would would have done. Uh, and this could and, and it didn't particularly say slavery, just basically any topic. So we could talk about uh, Nazis or, or whatever it is. Um, it all the, the criticism was that you can't. So we can't say that one thing is good and one thing is bad, like everything is neutral. Some things are bad. Some things are good. That was the major criticism. Um, and teachers said, hey, we can explain there's good and bad, but we also want to have context. With that said, this is one of the uh, bills that made uh, serious headlines. And by the end of the week, uh, that bill pretty much died. Um, let me read you. Um, something that came from the Indiana Senate Republicans. Uh, they sent out a tweet saying that the members of the Senate have con, uh, continued to work on Senate Bill 167, but have determined that there is no path forward and it will not be considered. At the same time, there was an, that effort had moved across the aisle in the House to Senate Bill 134, which essentially says the same thing with some differences, but um, 
It's authored by Representative Anthony Cook and co-authored by J.D. Prescott and uh, Chuck Goodrich. Uh, Whitley, this has been a lot going on on your uh, side of the building. What What's going on with, with 167 is dead, but what's going on with House Bill 134, which again is essentially the same bill? Is it too dead or is it moving forward? Well, I'm really glad you brought this up because obviously we've made national headlines. And one of the most interesting things about the bills is when we read them and when I read them, I'm seeing empowering parents to engage in their students' education. As a, as a mom now, I want to be engaged. I want to know about curriculum. And I also want accurate, authentic history taught in schools. And I want that free from indoctrination. I want that free from any type of bias or political propaganda. So when we're thinking about the spectrum that our children are being taught on and how we're teaching them, why does it feel like empowering parents is a problem or having more transparency within the curriculum is an issue? I'm, I'm having a hard time understanding why not teaching that people are inherently racist is a problem. Uh, Ariel. What do you think? Senate Bill 134, Senate Bill 167, whichever one you want to call, whichever one of you view this effort of, of, of neutrality and um, what what we've heard a lot from teachers is what you're saying on paper is is the acute way of saying X, Y and Z. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I it's unfortunate that right now, you know, our children in the education system are being politicized right now. You know, it's it's hard because, you know, as a mom too, like Whitley, you know, I, I really do care about what's happening in the classroom for my kids. You know, I want them to get the best education possible and the most accurate history as possible. So for me, you know, a lot of these issues that we've made really strong social issues and we've seen this pushback from folks about, you know, teaching race and a uh, certain history in the classroom, you know, for me, I'm like, it's already happening here in my household. If it's happening in the classroom, I want it to be as most accurately as possible, but I don't want it to be done in a politicized way. You know, I want my children to be able to learn in a way in which they can form their own opinions, that it's not done in a partisan way, you know, Democrats versus Republicans, um, and that they're able to take their education and also apply it to real life and see the things that are happening around them. And I know that they are. Um, so for me, you know, I really just want us to figure out a way in which this doesn't become a culture war thing and we're, we're fighting in the classroom and our children are, you know, at the butt end of it, um, not really getting exactly what they need um, and that we're turning this more into, you know, who can teach CRT and, and who can't, but really just focusing on how can we make sure that our kids are getting the best history as possible that is not whitewashed or done in a way in which it doesn't feel as if it's, you know, the reality that they're living in. Well, you mentioned CRT, and to you, Whitley or Ario, do you know of any Indiana K through 12 school that is teaching critical race theory? So, I think what has happened is we've taken the grandiose idea of what critical race theory is on a PhD level scale, like what's taught at McKinney Law School. And we're saying that it's being taught in elementary schools and middle schools. And that's not necessarily what is being taught or what is being stated or the undertones. But there have been some undertones of critical pedagogy basically saying that some people are born oppressors 
and that because they were born oppressors, they're limiting the freedoms of other people based off of traits that they cannot change. And I am one who doesn't believe that that should be taught at all. I'm one who believes we should empower all of our students and not limit them based on the color of their skin or their past history, because we can all be greater than we once were. And I hope that as a country, as a nation, and as a state, that's something that we are propelling our kids to do, be, and see. And so I think the, the, the greater issue is not if a PhD level CRT is being taught in schools, it's how are you empowering your students through history, through impartialness, through providing them with the facts and understanding this, this entire uh, world in a way that's, that's larger than just them and how their decisions impact other people. And so I think that there have been some issues and there's been some content posted that made national news where that's not what we're doing. And I think that that's a problem. Has has the classroom just become too politicized? I, I it seems like it's on replay in my brain hearing Republicans say the classroom is, is way too politicized. Keep politics out of the classroom, and you know we we've talked on this show about um, Black Lives Matter and how even Todd Rokita, our Attorney General, doesn't want uh, any mention or or a discussion of Black Lives Matter in the classroom because he says it is a political issue when um, it's been a social justice issue, but at the same time, as you say, no politics in the classroom. There was literally a bill about school board elections that would, uh, one version would require and then one would allow uh, for school boards to basically add that school board member is a Republican or a Democrat. So, you know, when we have an election, if you vote straight ticket, you know, let's say you're going to vote all Democrat. That means in Indianapolis, you're going to vote for, uh, in this case, Hogsett, you know, in the previous election and, and Mears and and so down, so forth the line. But when you got to your school board, you had to decide just based on name, Betty Lynn and Tim Johnson and and and, and Carl Smith. I don't know. I'm just making up names. Um, which of these people do I want on my school board? This proposal, uh, which is Senate Bill 144. Yes. Uh, would provide that a candidate for an election to the governing school body may request that a candidate's affiliation with a major political party may be indicated with the candidate's name on the general ballot election. So as you're seeing uh, the commercials and everything to vote Republican and vote for your Republican governor and your Republican representative, if this bill goes, you would also now see your school board members included that extremely politicizes uh, the school board uh, and the, the school system. So, uh, Ariel, as as a parent and, and as uh, uh, the president of the Young Democrats, is that the direction Democrats want to see schools go in to uh, partisan uh, school boards? No, I think we we are good with where, you know, it is right now being able to just, you know, you collect your signatures, you get on the ballot, and you're able to represent in a way that is nonpartisan. Um, obviously, you know, in certain areas of the state, people know who's a Democrat, who's a Republican. That's an evidence. It's always going to happen that way. But I think when we start to move into uh, politicizing in, part- in partisan ways towards school boards, you know, we're looking at now families and folks are going to be looking at, you know, if this representative is going to be 
having certain school policy based off of partisanship views. And I think that's where it becomes a little messy um, for, you know, our school boards. We've already seen it across the state when it happened with mass mandates. We saw the issues that were happening um, with schools and with the school boards that were having pretty heated debates around issues like that. And also, too, when CRT was rolling in and folks were talking about that, we saw how that was handled with our school boards as well. I don't think we need to go into a partisan way of, uh, you know, school boards. I think we need to keep it as is, and I think we really need to focus on how we rebuild this education system, especially for our public schools. I mean, the pandemic really hit hard. E-learning, families having to balance that on top of whether folks were going to go back in person or if they were going to stay home. I think the focus needs to be right now on all of our kids' readiness for the next grade level that they need to go into because that's one of the things that a lot of our students are struggling with. I think the issue doesn't need to be, is there going to be a D or an R behind your name when you get on the ballot for school board? Whitley, do you think that's something that's necessary to know who's a Republican, who's a Democrat, and it to have it be included uh, with a major party affiliation? What's, what's interesting about this specific topic is that we're acting as though these positions aren't already politicized. And I think what we're seeing, and to be honest, looking at our city and the different townships, there was a lot of pushback against school boards from parents, as you stated earlier, from Pike. And I think the truth is, when looking at the school boards and looking at the affiliations that we already know, the majority of the people on the school boards are Democrats. And so being upset with school board members that align with your own party is going to create sometimes a turmoil. As covered by Black Indy Live, you've got billionaires that are pouring money into local school board races. We saw that in the last school board race. We had Michael Bloomberg. We had the Walmart heiress. The founder of Netflix pouring in a billion dollars or pouring in money into these school board races, whether that be through PACs or other organizations. So it's already politicized. The question that you have to ask yourself is, is the accountability that people have been placing on school boards, specifically here within Marion County, justified? And if we're seeing the type and the level of accountability that we've been seeing specifically like in Pike Township. And you find out that that person also aligns with your own party, as most of them do in Indianapolis and within Marion County and the township schools. How does that then impact how you vote down ballot in other races? And so I think that there are a lot of implications. And I think that keeping it nonpartisan it's not going to do much, I'm going to be honest, for the Republicans in, in Marion County because we are what, like such a small percent of the 88 percent Democratic area. Um, and so I think that it's going to create uh, a faction where you see people from the community going against the selected choices and funded candidates by those billionaires and those PACs to be able to advocate accurately for their students. Well, I appreciate that answer, and I, and I won't. I don't want to act like school boards are are not already politicized, and that there's not politics that go on in how school boards make decisions. Because I'm gonna, you know, I work for a school district, and and I, I've worked for multiple school districts across across the country, just in the transportation realm. But I can tell you that I know that Washington Township Schools 
is going to make certain decisions based on the people who live in their district, which includes the mayor. So if the mayor has kids in previous years, uh, the mayor's riding uh, a bus to Washington Township School. So do they make some decisions in the back of their mind, knowing who they have in their classrooms and that the governor's mansion is in their district and whatever high profile? Sure. And the same goes in Carmel and Hamilton Southeastern. But a lot of that comes in um, in a different it's a different way. It's it's a different relationship from just when you put, um, you know, when you go vote for your school board, let's say in this in this past one, if you actually cared who these people were, you had to look them up. Who is Don Johnson? OK, what's he about? Or you could just blindly cast a vote, which I hope no one does, but I'm sure people do. Um what this bill would do was say, I don't need to look up and see who Steve Johnson is. He's got an R by his name. Doggone it. That's my man. Or uh, Bill Jenkins here. Doggone it. He's got a D on his name. Sounds good to me. I don't care what he's doing, but he, it, lo it looks good. Now we're not really even paying attention. We're just going by party lines. And I'm both on the Democrat and Republican side of the national level at the state level. That don't work a whole lot. Don't really has doesn't get done anywhere. It's not getting done anywhere on either side. Uh, 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696. We're on the air this morning with Whitley Yates. She is the director of diversity uh, for the Indiana GOP and Aria Brandy. She is the president of the Indiana Young Democrats. Ooh, phone lines just lit up. Ooh, that. Whoa. Okay. Uh, we're going to kind of go to the phones uh, here in just a hot second, 317-239-9696. Also, if you can't get on, uh, send me a tweet, at Cameron Riddle. Um, and just like that, boom, uh, I'm going to hit pause real quick. We're going to take a uh, commercial break uh, to talk, at, pay some bills, and then come back and come continue this conversation because I know uh, things are going to take off here uh, quickly. Uh, 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696, or send me a tweet at Cameron Riddle on Twitter, and I will read it. Uh, we are back with Whitley and Ariel after this quick commercial break. More Open Lines next. Let's get back to Open Lines, your eye on the community on Hot 96.3. Open lines. I'm Indy's newsman Cameron Riddle on this uh, Sunday, the 16th of January, talking about what's happening at the State House, and I'm ready to take your calls. Uh, Whitley Yates, the director of diversity for the Indiana GOP, and Ariel Brandy, the president of the Indiana Young Democrats, are standing by to talk uh, with you at 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696, or send me a tweet at Cameron Riddle on Twitter. Hey, tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. Yesterday was his birthday, and tomorrow is the day that the nation will observe it right here in Indiana. We've got something for you to do. There are a number of things for you to do, but also a way for you to celebrate and enjoy a little bit of a party brought to you by DJ Gino. Uh, it is the Martin Luther King Celebration Concert and Birthday Party tomorrow at The Vogue, starring Midnight Star, The Toy Factory, The Downstroke Band, 
Damon Carl and hosted by WTLC's very own Karen Vaughn. That is tomorrow at the Vogue. Tickets uh, will, doors open, that is, will go on, will open at 7 o'clock with the show beginning at 8 o'clock. That is tomorrow night. Again, doors open at 7. The concert will start at 8 p.m. Tickets are on sale at the Vogue box, box office right up there at 62nd and College Avenue. You can also find them online. Again, that is tomorrow. That is a party for a king at the Vogue on this Martin Luther King Day 2022. As you know, there'll be a lot of people uh, citing his name and quoting his speeches tomorrow, but we'll, I encourage you to pay attention to what they say today and then on Tuesday when it's not Dr. Martin Luther King Day uh, and they're not just quoting him. Let's not just look at what they uh, say, but let's watch what they do. Speaking of that, that's exactly what we're doing here uh, this morning with Whitley and Ariel, who are back with us. Uh, before we went to the break, we were talking about um, House Bill uh, 130, 1134 and 167 and 144 in their different forms, basically talking about what is happening in schools. If you're listening to this show on 106.7 WTLC, of course, we're on two stations. If you're listening on WTLC, then in that commercial break, you heard a commercial. Um, it's actually a public service announcement uh, voiced by Karen Vaughn. Uh, talking about how Radio 1 Indianapolis is taking a stand against um, Senate Bill 167 and House Bill 134. I've never heard us do that. And I've been in this uh, company in some way, shape or form since 2012. And in all the nonsensical things that have come up uh, at both the State House and the White House, I've never heard uh, the station take a stand against something like 167 and, and 1134, uh, the way they have uh, with this. Of course, if you miss that uh, public service announcement, the call to action in there is to call uh, your uh, call your representative, but also call the Speaker of the House, the most powerful Speaker of the ha uh, member in the Indiana legislature, just like in Congress as a Speaker of the House. Uh, and in that case, it is Mr. Houston. Uh, so look up his number is the call to action and let him know you are against uh uh, House Bill 1134, uh, it appears 167 has died, but again, it's the same bill over in the House, uh, and I'm looking right now, and it looks like it did make it out of committee uh, on the 13th, so it did come out of the House committee on the thir uh, 13th, so while 167 is dead, there is still a movement. Uh, going along with House Bill 134. And there, again, there's several other copycat bills. Uh, with that said, let's go to the phone lines. 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696. Uh, the ladies are also back and standing by to talk to you. Uh, let's go to the phones. Call her on line one. Good morning. What do you think? Good morning, Cameron. I wanted to look at Dr. King's an excerpt from his uh, I Have a Dream speech. Mm -hmm. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And he went on to say in parts where he said, with this faith, we will be able to transform the dangling discord of this nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. And what you're talking about today in your guests is the bedrock of what happens when we fail in our educational system, when we are a part of saying it's okay, just like right now, even on your commercial just now, they had on uh, uh, Crystal House, 
And when we look at what has happened with the spread of charters, and it's just been so unleashed across Indianapolis to the point that uh, when Fort Wayne was looking at uh, having a charter come there through uh, Purdue, and also uh, uh, they had another uh, district too, they said, we're going to look at Indianapolis. And it is time that we look at one another and say, what do we really want? Do we really want to make sure our children understand the importance of who they are? And education is their passport to the future. And that's one of the things that uh, Malcolm X said. And if we sit on the sidelines and just keep watching the privatization of public education to the cost of the brown and black community. We can't keep doing it. We can't keep watching and saying it's okay to have school boards uh, under the charters that don't uh, were not voted in. They'll just um, uh, decide, well, I want to be on the board, and so that's what I'm going to do. And so we have to really look at how this money is being moved in the city. And a key component is what's happening in education. If you go over to School 63, which was a beautiful building, and I did some work over there myself. And I looked over there and saw that they put portables over there now, portable classrooms. And you're like, why are they having all this preferential treatment that they're not making sure that our traditional black schools are getting? So my push will be for a moratorium on charters until we can get a better handle over its real impact on our children. And I'm saying to IPS, because that will be who I'm looking for, the candidate that says, we've had enough, let's work with what we have, the charters that we have in the innovative, you know, just like right now, they're trying to abandon uh, Ignite. And the superintendent herself was the one that appointed, that appointed Ignite over there, because I was at the meeting when, when they were putting Ignite in. So now she wants to try to act like she doesn't remember. But those of us that were there and seeing these experiments that they're doing with our children, we're not happy about it. And until we get a grip on our, on our school board members and our new elected officials who will be coming in here in, in this next election and saying, look, let's stop. Stop this train, let's work with what we have, and let's make sure that our children get what they need. Thank you for your guests today, and thank you for what you do. Thank you so much for the call. I appreciate it. 317-239-9696. Going to stay on the phones for a hot second here because I know there's a lot of folks trying to get through. We're on the air this morning talking about everything that is happening at the State House from the governor's State of the State address to what is happening in the House and the Senate, a number of bills uh, that have made headlines that has people attention, that has folks upset, that has folks excited uh, for one reason or another. Another thing that we are seeing come through uh, is a lot of attention on uh, medical marijuana uh, and recreational marijuana, both Democrats and Republicans proposing uh, several bills. Um, Also, not uh, something that did not escape uh, the eye of this uh, bus driver here uh, was uh, Senate Bill 369 this time. Um, once again, focusing on trying to stop uh, dedicated bus lanes, so uh, things like the red line and the incoming purple and blue lines from happening, uh, because all those cars need all of those uh, traffic lanes, according to uh, Republican Senator Jack Sandlin and Michael Young. You remember last year, Aaron Freeman was along with these two, but leading the pack this year, he says, I'm tired and I'm sitting this one out. I'm tired of being that guy. It's literally what he said. But still, there is still an effort to block uh, a project that 60 percent of Indianapolis voted for, which was expanded uh, mass transit. So that is another one that 
uh, we are watching uh, that would stop uh, federal money, things that have already been approved in their tracks um, and things that you as Indianapolis voters voted on already. You said you wanted mass transit. You said you wanted to expand it. You said you wanted it improved. Uh, but um, Senate Bill 369 says, eh, no, you don't. We'll just go ahead and change that. Uh, we can talk about that in here in just a second, but let me get uh, back to the phones. 317-239-9696. Caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? You know, Cameron, the only thing that's going on in the Statehouse is uh, homosexuals are trying to get their agenda affirmed through using our black representatives in the uh, IBLC. They have actually came in there, and all these bills that you talked about this morning, that's their smokescreen, right? The real thing that they want to do, and you know, another thing, I'm surprised that nobody has condemned Dr. Kane for her slanderous sput campaign that she's been running all through this pandemic on our black men and our black children. And all you right. can see the, uh, the, the, the book billboard uh, that she has posted all over town. All right, you're off, you're off topic. People, but moving on to the legislative agenda, the only thing their agenda is, Cameron, is to pass a bill to uh, create a statute to uh, shift the burden, okay? Remember I've talked about they've been to the Constitution and that corporation off the hook for the operations and the maintenance of our school districts. The Constitution read before amendment, it said that the General Assembly may impose a tax on the property of corporations for common school purposes. The common school is the district. That's not in our Constitution anymore. I came into a committee meeting wherein uh, uh, Representative Bray was uh, was uh, the authority there, and the bill was being presented by Greg Porter. Uh, there were very few people in the room, and they were thrashing out how corporations should make this money up. Because you know, if you take something out of that, uh, out of our law book uh, financially, you have to have replacement. So what they're going to have is the absolute tax, which is going to burden our citizens. All right, Larry. With the uh, expense of maintenance and operations of our, our, our public schools. So that's what's really happening. Okay. Greg Taylor won't condemn Dr. Kane. They need to condemn her. All right, you're support. back off topic again. Thanks, Larry. We'll okay. talk to you. We'll talk to you later. 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696. Before I go back to the phones, Whitley, I particularly want to ask you, uh, because year after year, and I'm, I'm talking about this uh, this Indigo Senate Bill 367, um, because this comes up every year. There's There's been a nonstop effort, and I'm, I know your name isn't on this, but just what, what's, why, why, do we, why do the Republican senators, and it's constantly the same three, and this year the same two, uh, trying to block, in this case, they don't want any portion of a road to be dedicated to just a bus outside of the mile square, which is that block right next to the circle, which would be Ohio Street, Pennsylvania Street, Washington Street, and Capitol Street immediately next to the circle. Outside of that, they say they don't want to see any bus lanes dedicated uh, just to a bus anywhere. What's what, Why are we doing this? I'm not... It's, what's it? So I don't know um, the reasoning for all of the bills. One, in a session, they funded and helped Indigo to be able to have the different lines um, and gave funding from the state in order for that to happen. It is my guess that they are listening to their constituents and they're listening to the business owners and they're listening to people call in and complain about increased congested traffic. 
also sometimes looking at ridership being we all know COVID shut down, you know, the entire country. So I guess I wouldn't expect ridership to be up when COVID is shut down. But it's always I'm always hopeful that our state representatives are representing the ideas of their constituency within the legislation that we see. Um, and so I am only going to assume as I'm not at the state house uh, fielding those calls, mm-hmm. but that this is a direct response to what business owners, and there were some articles in the Indie Star. Yep. Um, and- just about the construction and about limited roads and about how it's, impacted the feasibility of traffic. Um, and so that is my, that would be my guess and the intent of, of this. But I okay. wouldn't say I, that I, Republicans I, are I, I, always attacking um, public transit when you see them fund it. But I think that uh, there's some ebbs and flows when it comes to it. Um, my I won't, personal stance, I'm for mobility. Great. Okay. I, I won't hammer you too much on that because it's not your bill, but, you know, and I since in the past two years, I have barely seen a, a lick of traffic congestion because uh, everybody's been working from home. But even outside of that, uh, a lot of this money comes from the, the federal government. The state doesn't do a whole lot. And in fact, they even wanted Indigo to raise more money through fares to do it. But um, I'm glad to hear you are for more mobility. But I won't hammer you anymore on that because that's not. That wasn't yours. I'm just trying to figure out why does this keep coming up every year? All right. 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. You're live on the air. Good morning, everyone. Uh, good program. Uh, I would just like to say that if the uh, various uh, leaders you have on are trying to get more constituents for their particular parties, um, that they huge truth, so to speak, to what is good for the overall community. In other words, a lot of times uh, one party or the other tries to go with a party line, which might not be in the best interest of most uh, 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 citizens. So I would just caution that uh, the leaders in the party, when they see certain people in their particular parties going off base, are uh, being detrimental to the overall constituency in the community that they call it out. Well, I, 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 I see the, the the Democratic Party, for instance, in terms of uh, the black community, they usually speak out a lot. I don't see that too much from the Republican side. And I speak as a, a great nephew of a Republican judge and uh, state representative, in the past. Well, I, I, well, hang on. I'm going I'm to stop you right there because I know Whitley is going to uh, disagree with you on that because she is the director of diversity uh, for the Indiana GOP and has, in fact, been on this show a couple of times talking about what they are trying to do. So I'm going to stop you right there so they both can uh, answer from their respective sides of the aisle. And, and Whitley, I am going to start with you uh, on that. This is literally what you do. Yeah, honestly, it is. And he does, there is some truth to it, right? Let's be honest. For a long time, we've kind of seen both sides, I'd say, be wrong and strong together. Um, and that usually doesn't go over well with people. And I think the truth is there has to be accountability, not just for the other side and the people you don't vote for, but within your own party. I was um, relieved, it would be the word, in the last session when Jim Lucas was censored for some of the comments that he said, 
And I think that taking those steps, um, and you saw it also on a national level where um, doing some censoring, because what we cannot do is pretend to be advocates for people while continuously offending them and continuously saying things that are derogatory and, and different things like that. And so as I consistently push for accountability on all sides and within the GOP, I'm hopeful that the constituents and people are doing that as well. Ariel, can I give you 30 seconds to, to respond to that as well and how uh, you guys are retracting folks to your party? Because I know I, I hear from a lot of Democrats who are just um, getting a little bit exhausted with uh, the lack of progress and the broken promises on the national level. And, of course, you know that just trickles down to what you're trying to do in the state of Indiana. I saw a great um, a, a Facebook post, which I think describes politics perfectly, uh, talking about the flaws of both parties. And it just simply said um, Republicans, no, Democrats are, are like that aunt who always promise you promises that they will take you uh, to Disney World. And then when the time comes, she always says, oh, sorry, honey, we couldn't do it this year. But meanwhile, Republicans are the uncle who always says, tells you up front, sorry, kid, not going to Disney World this year. And then later you found out he actually went without you. Uh, so uh, what is the on the Democrat side? How do you deal with all the, this constant what feels like broken promises? Yeah, I mean, I think Whitley hit it right uh, spot on. I mean, we're in a on this, you know, accountability comes from both ends. It's not just necessarily, you know, accountability for the GOP from the Democrat side, but it's internally too within our own party. We know that for a very long time, especially minority Democrats have been talking about how the black vote has been taken, you know, for granted and how the Latino vote, everyone thinks that it's this big monolith and that we have to do better at engaging them as constituents. And that's right. And I'm all about accountability within my own party and letting folks know when things are not as inclusive as they should be. And I think that if we're all internally working on that and really making that the focus of the work that we're doing, it has to trickle down to our constituents to make sure that they, they feel the same way. Whether they identify as a Democrat or a Republican at all, accountability internally within your own party is just as equally important mm-hmm. as giving to you about. Let me go back to the phones. we got about three minutes left here in the show, and the phones are still hot, so let's see who's on line two. Good morning. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Hit it. Hello? Hello. You're live on the air? Yes, CRT. Uh, thanks for taking my call, and good morning to you guys. Um, reason why we're having such a problem with CRT is because think about the Republicans that was on Donald Trump's side, you know, about the, uh, the big lie and all this stuff. They don't. How you gonna not teach the kids about history, but yet it's still, you know, you got families that teach hate to their kids, so they won't have to learn CRT. So, so what? what we, hashtag Kevin Hart. Somebody come look at this. And uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for the call. Let me jump to another one before we wrap up. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, Cameron. How you doing this morning? I'm good, Paul. I'm gonna give you 30 seconds, my man, because I am up against time. I'm- Mine is going to be less than that because I just want them to explain, uh, give me a definition of the word party, because that's what they seem to have right after they get elected is a party. So tell me about the party. That's my that's my question. Explain the party, because that's all they have in is parties after they get elected. They don't have to. They, what they need to do is stop promising stuff that they know they're not going to do mm-hmm. and start telling us stuff what they are going to do. 
All so, right. there you go. That's my comment. All right. Cameron. I appreciate it, Paul. Thank you. Good to hear All from right. you. All right. Uh, whoo. Um, phone lines are still ringing, but Ariel and, and Whitley, um, I, I would like to leave it with giving the floor to you in 15 seconds each. How can folks uh, get connected with you and find out what your party is doing? I'll go with uh, Ariel first. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Ariel Brandy, president of Indiana Young Democrats. Um, you can follow the work that the young professionals here in our state are doing um, by finding us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, Indiana Young Dem. And also, you can follow me on Twitter myself. Uh, my underscore is A-R-I-E-L-L-E underscore M-O-Y-E-E. Um, always tweeting and talking about politics and what's happening. And I really urge you guys to pay attention to what's happening at the state house, not at the national level. We need to be working on what's happening here at home. All right. And keeping with alphabetical order, Whitley. All right, you guys. Um, some of you may know we launched the Indiana Republican Diversity Leadership Series last year. It has phenomenal success. It is now a national model. We are at it again. There will be an announcement this week where we are continuing the legacy that we created. And I am excited to have conscious conservatives of color within Indiana advocating for their communities and taking up space um, in a party that currently doesn't have a lot of racial diversity within this state. And so you can be looking forward to that announcement as well as some of the other initiatives that will be coming out this year. I'll be teaching a diversity session at our Congress of Counties. I always look um, forward to building common ground with our elected officials, with community, um, as well as with general stakeholders. You can find me on Facebook. It is Lynn James. Um, I urge you guys to contact and build relationships with your legislators the ones you vote for and the ones that you don't vote for. Because together, we are who run the state. Mm, I like it. We're going to end the show right there on that note. Ariel and Whitley, thank you so much for being on the show. And um, I follow both of what both of you do, and I have a lot of respect for everything that you guys do because you're very, very hardworking, and I love to have you on the show because you know what you're talking about. Thank you so much, Ariel and Whitley. Hope to have you back on the show again before the session ends. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. That's going to do it for this edition of Open Lines. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. We are back same time, same stations next Sunday, live at 8. Coming up here on Hot 96.3 is your favorite music. And on WTLC, it's the Hour of Power with Al Sharpton. Have a great Sunday and enjoy your three-day weekend.